Right. Hello and welcome to Fixing the Optical Problem, where we're trying to not contribute to the optical problem. I'm Zach Kastner, ABOAC, owner of Short Opticians in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and your resident optician. Joined as ever by Matthew Smith, otherwise known as That Glasses Guy and owner of That Glasses Guy Optique. Matt, how are we doing? Uh, the chief troublemaker, not the sloptician, or actually most days probably sloptician. I'm doing very well. How are you holding up over there, Zach? Hey, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Definitely have not been talking to you already for a while. <laughs> Getting a little matted out here, I think, maybe, but that's okay. We're going to get through this talking about progressives, continuing on with our theme from the last video. Um Except not so much about how progressives are and what they are used for, but troubleshooting them. So when people are having problems or you're the one having problems wearing them and kind of the basics around that expectations and some little ways to tweak it. Matt, um, anything you kind of want to lead off with here? You're the one that's got their life pulled together rather than I do. So why don't you uh, start us off and we'll fill in from there. The day my life is more pulled together than anybody's is a very bad day for that other person. Ah, progressive troubleshooting. So this is one that's really fun and kind of hits home for me. I do a lot of videos on this on my channel, but troubleshooting a progressive lens can be a huge range of things and every little thing affects the other. So you have to take all of the complaints into play and mishmash them together and figure out where the problem actually is. The most common one we find in general is having trouble to read with the glasses. That can be either having to lift the glasses up or just I can't find a spot that I can read at. And I'd say probably our next closest to that is, oh, what's our favorite one, Zach? Is it the blown up fingers or is it the, the whole world moves when I turn my head? That's tough. That's tough. Those two. <laughs> Um, I like that the uh, that the floor is slanting away from me or slanting towards me. That's ah. one of my favorites. Yeah, yep. the new progressive. That's always mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. So, you know, we get this huge range of complaints. There's a few ways to fix them. Sometimes it's a problem with how the lens was actually fit. Sometimes it's as simple as making some adjustments to the frame to actually optimize within the parameters of the design and get everything working back as it was originally intended. But I'm going to let Zach talk and chat a little bit here. So, Zach, if you want to go into kind of that, um, I have to bring my glasses up to read. That's, like I said, the most common one, so it's a great starting point. Yeah. So for those those of you who are watching this rather than listening to us, here I am pushing my glasses up so I can read better. Uh, I'm actually single vision, so it doesn't matter for me. But I have plenty of clients who are not single vision. Um, you know, Matt, before we even touch on this, I want to talk about the basics of troubleshooting. Now, this is going to be, yeah, yeah, I know. I saw that tilt back of the head and crying a little bit on the inside, but normally we try to. You know, we're trying to straddle the world of being an optical professional and then talking to consumers as well. This one's going to be kind of dedicated more towards the actual optical professional here today. But if you're a consumer, these are things that you should be watching out for if you're having problems. So basics of troubleshooting, you know, first things first is as an optician, we need to find out what their chief complaint is, what the problem is. Like Matt's talking about raising your glasses. Let's use that as the example today. First things first, why are they raising their glasses? Let's verify our measurements first. 
those little watermarks that have been etched in the frame, dot them up. Let's see where everything's sitting. Make sure that they're lined up properly. If those gross measurements, right, you know, broad measurements are not lined up, well, there's one of our, that's kind of a tip off, right? You know, PD's too wide, seg is too high, seg is too low, whatever the reason is. You know, if, if the, we're having to lift our glasses up, it's probably that the seg is too low in this instance. Um, but checking that, if that all matches up, let's verify the RX. So take it back, look at it on a lensometer, check the distance prescription, check the ad power, check the engravings, make sure that it's all matching what it's supposed to be. Um, the other thing is to double check and make sure that you were given the progressive that you thought you were given by the lab. Check your engravings, make sure that it's right. Make sure that you were given a Seiko surmount and not a Verilux Physio. You know, they threw... <laughs> <laughs> they threw it on the wrong machine on accident, whatever. Um, those are some of the really big kind of important things that we 100% of the time should be just double checking just to make sure that everything was done right. Um, yeah, and never assume that first double check. So in the lab and in production and in check-in, most optical shops, you're having a three-tiered check-in. It's produced at the lab. The lab checks it before they send it out to the shop. The shop checks it out when it comes in. And then finally, it's dispensed and handed off. But even when you're one person, don't just assume that that last step verification before the dispense was correct. Something could have been going on in your head. You might have looked at something wrong. You know, there's always the possibility that something was missed at all of these points. It happens. You think with three tier, it can't happen, but I promise you it does. <laughs> it can more often than you think, actually. Yep. So those are some of the kind of first things that we want to look at. The next thing, if, if all of that checks out, measurements are great. RX is right on feels like they're reading through a keyhole or they've got to be lifting them up. Let's check the adjustment. Make sure that it's sitting in the right plane. First of all, make sure that you have the appropriate amount of panoscopic tilt, appropriate amount of face form. Brain just shut off there for a second. Um, and see, you know, if it's got nose pads, are those properly aligned? Are they sitting high enough? Are they sitting too low? Is the frame sitting too low? Is the frame sitting weird on their ears? You know, if you've got too much curl back here, is it putting kind of a funny tilt or anything like that yeah, the other that one that i think actually is it, the frame has been misadjusted before at that final dispense to the point now that it's lifting at the back and sliding down here and everything's awful i've seen that a lot it's a very Tons of times do. yep and the other one that i think it's missed a lot especially for this is having the lenses out or lenses in two different planes so where one temple is mm -hmm. too tight or too loose and so one eye sitting closer and the other eye sitting farther away as I'm you know, on the camera trying to show that I've got a hat on too, like that. You know, one lens is sitting closer, the other one's not. They're not going to be, progressives are naturally designed to be binocular, right? It, they work best when both eyes are working together. It's very important to have binocular vision. And if one eye is doing all the heavy lifting, it's not going to work out quite as well. So these are things that we should be looking for. Yes, and please, when you're troubleshooting, do not say, close one eye and tell me how things look. Because as Zach very, uh, very nonchalantly just pointed out, binocularity of vision is extremely important in fitting lenses, not just progressive lenses, but single vision as well with the freeform designs today. If you're off there, it can throw off everything. So really, the one eye check is not something we need to be doing in the glasses. Side. And if you're a consumer, please stop doing the one eye check. It <laughs> If you have a binocular issue, we will figure it out. But if you go, 
well, my left eye sees really clear, but my right eye doesn't. There's a million reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Let's wait. We will get to that. That is <laughs> very likely not the first problem here. I promise you. Actually, speaking of problems, Matt, and I know you're going to throw a couple more of these here at me in a minute, but I have found, and you may as well, that most times I have to do a remake, which I'm fortunate. I don't have to do that many. Janet, if you're listening to this, you're probably going to disagree with me, but I don't think I do that many. Um, It's typically more than one issue. It's not just that a measurement is a little bit off or the prescription is just a little bit off or whatever. It's compound issues. You know, a seg height needs to be raised, pupil height for Barry. Um, well, actually, I guess in this this instance, this truly is a seg height. Um, I'm going to get myself in trouble here today. Mm, <laughs> with all of us. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm shooting up the hip. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, it's typically more than one thing, though. It's never just a, a pupil height's a little bit off. Um, it's a design mismatch. It's a... A prescription is wrong, whatever. It's it's usually more than one thing at one time. Because the eye is naturally um vision is squishy. Let's put it that way. Mm. There's naturally some inherent I like. I, I, I don't know how I want to phrase it, right? I mean, vision is squishy. So in, inherently there's some flexibility there basically with prescriptions and stuff like that. Many people have vision fluctuations mm-hmm. even throughout the day. I've so gone off on a terrible tangent. Everyone. No, it's fun. This, this one's fun. And that is to always remember. And I'll never forget this. I hear it every year in a CE course because I go to the same guy for a CE course because he drills these at least same important points into my head every single year so I don't forget them. And one of them is that you see with your freaking brain and not your eyes. Everything can be visually perfect and your brain still go, this sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Your eyes are just the seeing organ, essentially. They're the one that takes mm-hmm. the, the stimulus and creates it into electrical signal, which then is turned into a chemical signal. And then your brain interprets that. So a little bit that can be lost mm-hmm. in translation there. Colors appear. <laughs> yeah, basically. So that's, you know, we're touching on lifting their glasses to read well or lifting your tip of your chin back is kind of that stuff. Versus the opposite, let's say that someone has to lower their head to see a distance. You know, they're tipping their chin down. This is the only way you can see at the distance. What, what do we think that could be causing some of that? You know what I think causes that? Too much whiskey. Um, <laughs> that make your whole world spin and everything looks wrong and it's just not good. But yeah, so lowering the chin to be able to actually see clearly is, you know, that one is kind of a signature, easy to spot one, right? The lens design is typically too high. The prescription can be a little bit too strong, or even the ad power can be a little bit off. The tilt of the lenses matters to that some degree, but that's more about playing with the height of it. You know, if you don't have a way to raise or lower the lens, you can tweak that amount of panoscopic tilt, which is basically how close the bottoms of the lenses are to the cheeks or the retroscopic tilt which is the being farther away from the cheeks. Uh, typically, you don't want to do that. Optically, it's a little bit more problematic, and there's more quirks to that and messing with the lens design and how the eye actually rotates. <laughs> I don't recommend retroscopic tilt, except as a very last resort. Uh, even then, it's 
really going to be better to redo the lenses if that ends up being the fix. Very often that is not. Uh, lenses are not designed for retroscopic tilt. That's mm, let's just correct. throw that out there. It just basic optics. It they really don't work as well. I mean that is a, a flat out principle. So you know, talking about tilt and all of that, what we found, what we find, I should say, is adjustments are very, very important, though. Many of our troubleshooting problems can be tweaked or made better or fixed even just by adjustments. But that's where we have to have that knowledge and that know-how to kind of know what to do and what to look at. So I can, as a consumer, which is, again, that's who we're gearing this at, that's what's very important here. If you're a consumer, you need to be able to also articulate what your chief complaint is and why. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm till again tipping my chip back, tipping my chin back, not my chip. Chip it in, man. Uh, yeah, well, not a golf uh, the, well, yeah, the only chip I've got is on my shoulder. Um, <laughs> anyways, it's being able to communicate that and that as the optician, you need to be able to take that complaint and think kind of work backwards we're detectives in this i love to i always tell people that this is my favorite part of my job is troubleshooting it's i'm figuring out why your glasses aren't working and i do outside troubleshooting you know not just clients who have fought from my office i do it for outside offices they send them to me and have me figure out what's going on so you're an optical forensic specialist you know what i'm yeah ofs is not that exciting we'll have to work on that acronym it's not as good it's as that. LDO. Yeah, you are a licensed dispensing optician. And that's, mm. hey, those are letters that I don't have. Yeah, that's another debate for another day. For those of you who are wondering why my state is not a, a licensed state, I there is no way for me to be an LDO except if I were to move away. So that means if you want to go be an optician one week after flipping burgers one week, you can move to Zach state and open an optical shop. If you yes, like, you can <laughs> just like I did went from flipping burgers to running an optical shop. No, just kidding. But I went from running is... cars to running an optical shop sort of, you know, there were 13 years in between, but you know, whatever. that's kind of the jump that you made. Yeah. <laughs> I sold shoes before, whatever. None of us start in the optical the same, industry. Though. It is similar. Day, kind of the same. A lot of it comes down to fashion and finding that proper fit. You know, there's a lot of medical stuff in shoes people don't talk about. So that's mm -hmm. not that that far of a reach, I think. Actually, Zach Kastner got you covered from head to toe. Oh, oh! Don't touch my toes, sir. <laughs> oh my God, Matt! On another note, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> he needed that more than you know. <laughs> Matt, we are talking about troubleshooting progressive lenses. Now, even when we're talking about progressive lenses, these are things that can be utilized in all designs, even designs that say that they're not progressive lenses, because they are. We're looking at one company in general right now. Mm -hmm. You know who you are, <laughs> saying that you're Zach not a progressive. You make are. me pay for this. Oh, <laughs> can I please? Can I, Zach? Uh, it's 50% your channel. We're talking about fitting and troubleshooting. I don't know that, that qualifies, but you know what it does. And damn it, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. So there is a company making a lens now known as a naturally accommodating lens rather than a progressive lens. One of their big things, and you will find us a lot talking about marketing on this channel and how it is very smoke and mirrors, of course, but 
beyond that, it's a reach a lot of times. They're trying to solve a problem that either doesn't exist or solve a problem that we perceive as a bigger problem than what it really is. In this case, the naturally accommodative lens is designed to create a near, intermediate, and distance field and gradually change through there, which as we know, a progressive lens does, but they're taking a new approach into designing the lens to create an experience that doesn't require a fitting height. But sort of what inspired this video is their troubleshooting guide, which in general looks copied and pasted from a progressive lens troubleshooting guide. And several of the bullet points are about height. And I can tell you, I've worn this lens Mm, I wore it in a one ad power just to try it out because that's a power that, you know, I'm young enough. It's beneficial, but I'm old enough. I can benefit from it. And yeah, you're old enough that it's beneficial. Bonkers. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say it. Um, but yeah, my experience with that. So they sent me the frame, the lenses, the whole ordeal. I gave them my pupillary measures, which I wear in a hundred frames. So I know they're correct. But the height matters at the end of the day. I put these lenses on. I wore them for the 20 or 30 minutes that they say is the adaptation period, even though all of their marketing period materials say there is no adaptation period. They were very clear in explaining that there is one and it is this long and most people adapt within X amount of minutes. I did not. I actually wore these for three days. I finally got fed up with it. I slung the damn things across the room and I said, that's it. I'm done. I am not wearing these. Uh, so height does matter. No matter your lens design, every little parameter you can take into account has an effect on everything else. I will repeat that until the day I'm in my casket and I will probably have it engraved on my stone head. Okay. Can we go off on one more little tangent here talking about height Please. matters only because, you know, this just kind of threw me all the way back to my, my corporate optical days many, many years ago where we had no choices. You have no options. And if someone wanted more distance, what do we do? We dropped their fitting height, which mm. really is not the way to go. Dropping the fitting height causes all kinds of other issues besides the fact that obviously you're pushing your reading down further. But that doesn't necessarily give you more distance, especially in many hourglass-shaped designs, right? Just because we've moved things up doesn't mean that we've actually moved that peripheral, astig peripheral oblique astigmatism out of the way. You're just introducing right. new errors and new problems. Past designs that was actually beneficial, you could get away with it. You know, that two millimeter drop here and there wasn't as big of a deal because the rest of the design did not depend as much on that optical height or the major reference point. Let's take height or whatever the hell you want to call it today. Pupil height. <laughs> We're calling it Fitting a pupil height, height today. Mm, okay. Uh, but yeah, everything else wasn't as centric around that. And now we've got to the point, even single vision lenses are extremely centric on where that height is actually fit in front of the pupil because everything is calculated based on how light passes through from that point and everything off angle from there. So you can actually run into some of these errors in single vision lenses based on that height being wrong. But that comes Absolutely. more from the new algorithms calculate lens designs. And you don't see that in some of the older cast stuff. So I just want to throw that out there for the people that missed the tech video. You are horrible people. You should go back and watch that video. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you haven't liked and subscribed to that video, like it, subscribe to the channel. So you get all of our updates. It's free. Keep that in mind. 
Um, ring the bell. <laughs> ring the bell. Absolutely. I think the biggest takeaway for consumers and opticians alike as well today, and we haven't really touched on this yet, is that if you are having complaints with your vision, there is a reason for it. You know what? You've aired your grievance. I'm going to air mine. The Sunshine Lab, those of you who utilize it, it does not work. <laughs> it might work once. It might work twice. Throwing someone's glasses on a shelf and sending it to the Sunshine Lab, making them come back in a week, you are just band-aiding a problem. And you may not even be doing that. If it works on one person just because they needed additional adaptation time, fine. Most people, though, if they're having problems with their progressives, there's a reason for it. And that's why we do troubleshooting, because there is a reason and there is a fix. Don't be scared to remake lenses, even if it's an added cost. When you remake a lens and you fix that problem for that client, it, it builds that trust, right? And being able to own up to the mistake, even if it's not a mistake. You know, I've mismatched designs. I'm not that, I'm not perfect. I'm not infallible. I've put someone in a balanced design that really needed a distance heavy one. And, you know, you go, you know what? This is what I thought it should have been. And I'm wrong based on what you're telling me and your experience. This is what we should do. I'm going to get you some new lenses, wear these in the meantime. We'll get y'all fixed up. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a learning experience, right? You know, there is a cost associated with everything, even the free remake. But here's the thing. It's a learning experience. If you don't remake that lens and you just throw it in a drawer and it happens to work out, and it probably isn't, as Zach mentioned, most likely it's just going to, okay, it's whatever it is what it is now we've done this twice or what the fuck ever and it still isn't working so or they're having just an exceptionally good vision day that day right they yeah. come and pick up they're having and a great vision day and then the next odds day are that's the again. person that a year later is just back in the doctor's chair and they're complaining and you never hear it so mm -hmm. it, i was going somewhere else with that sorry couldn't help myself it just drives me crazy but yeah, I mean, there's there's not a lot of specifically educational costs and a lot of opticians won't invest in themselves. And this is, first of all, me calling you out to fix that problem. And second of all, just pay for the damn remake. If you're the owner, it's more direct to you than it is to anybody else. But if it is your optician and they're having to remake a lens to learn from it and actually benefit and learn from that experience, that is going to cut down on remakes in the future. Eat that remake. It is a 60, 70, 100, whatever the hell your cost is on that lens cost, and it is worth every single penny. Well, now remember, Matt, there are some lenses that are four, five, six hundred dollars wholesale. So... <laughs> Careful, I mean, <laughs> right? And if that is the case, that's an expensive learning lesson. <laughs> yeah, let's reach out to one of us. Let's let's talk why your prices are so high. We'll uh, we'll do some consulting on the side for you because that's just outrageous. Wow. Oh, unless it's <laughs> oh oh no, not today, not today, not You're today. About not a certain, today, Satan. A certain, a certain German lens that has to be imported. Nope, not that one, actually. Oh, okay. Hmm. Actually, I like that lens for those of you who are wondering or who already know what I'm talking about. I have no issues with that. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts on troubleshooting that you want to go through? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know exactly what lens you're talking about. I'm, yep. I'm starting to go off on a tangent and now just, yep, I know. 
Yep. Yep. That's Don't even get me started. Other... Yep. It's a we whole can talk about um, convergence. <laughs> oh, insufficiencies another day. Uh, yeah. But yes, so I don't have any particular final thought on this specifically because it is a very broad, deep topic. I could go on for this for another hour and still just be scratching the surface on what I would like to say on it, but we're not going to do that today. <sighs> we'll have that on a ranting day. Uh, but yeah, so with troubleshooting, like Zach mentioned before, I just want to reiterate that because it is a great thought to leave on is don't fall back to kind of the crux of optical, and that is our little sunshine lab where we sit in a drawer for a week or throwing back at your patient. You know, you just need more time to adapt to these. Wear them for two weeks and go on about your day. There are cases adaptation is a part of it. It does play a role, especially with hyper ropes. But the vast majority of cases, it's not an adaptation issue. And there's something else going on. So just before you tell that person, oh, you just pick these up, you know, give it two more weeks or let's remake the lenses air quotes heavy on that one make sure that everything else is correct before you say that you know spend the extra 10 15 minutes please for speaking all of, of adaptation speaking of adaptation period mm. you know there is some adaptation period in lenses just you know you get a new prescription you've got a new frame new fit you put them on for the first time and you know i've again i have a very simple prescription and i'll put on new frames and it's like ooh, that's interesting in your experience, what is a typical adaptation for an experienced wearer? For an experienced wearer, I'd say no huge changes. You know, let's assume they just are, it's a year or two, I got a new pair of glasses type deal, but maybe I got a really big frame this time. You know, a day or two at most. Mm -hmm. You know, most of these people, 20, 30 minutes. I'll say there's some exceptions there. If the change is a little bit bigger, if it's been more than a couple of years, or even this this one oddball, you're picking up your glasses at 5 p.m. after you've been wearing your old ones from the last two years all day long. Back to seeing with your brain, the brain does not like that. No, it does not. At all. <laughs> it does not. You know, if you've been wearing your glasses for a couple hours already and you're going to pick up and it just feels a little funky, just does it's clear, but it just doesn't seem right. It, your brain's trying to figure it out and it just takes time yep. sometimes. And that's okay. Um, yeah, I would agree with you. I would say that most people, I would say that adaptation is no longer than three days. Um, and that's a very small percentage of people take the full three days. I tell most people that 24 to 48 hours, and you may even, you may forget that you're wearing new lenses shorter than that amount of time. So yep. that's kind of what I typically look at time-wise. Now, if we're talking about the addition of prism, that's a little bit different. You know, you're getting prism for the first time to help with double vision, do a lot of prism work. That can take three to five a yeah. week, maybe, just to get fully used to it, because I'd the lenses the, are totally the worst, different. The worst is generally the Latin hyperope, right? They haven't been wearing glasses. Now <laughs> we're the plus 150s. Oh, our, every, our optician, <laughs> every optician has their boogeyman, right? You, you've got that one client that walks in and you just know that they're never going to be happy. You know who my boogeyman is, Matt? Oh, my dad. No. Oh, <laughs> my dad is a latent hyperope. He didn't need even reading glasses until he was in his mid 50s. Oh, uh huh. Yep. 
and he has the most unnatural head posture. He like sticks his chin up and almost like into the air. So we have to take all of that into account. First couple times we did progressives, it was uh it was it was interesting. And he is the only person that it has taken a full two weeks for no good reason to adapt to a lens. He is my boogeyman. Yep. Matt's mm. <laughs> just shaking his head at me, which I understand, but it's it was whew, something else. Matt, any final thoughts for today? We've already been running for almost 30 minutes now. Um, I, I think I, I final thought it once and that spun into a hutter old 10 minutes. So let's let it roll there. <laughs> That's all I've got for today. That's all I've got as well. Um, thanks again for joining us, everyone. You can find Matt at That Glasses Guy, his YouTube channel, uh, his That Glasses Guy 03, his Instagram. You can find me primarily here on Fixing the Optical Problem. Leave a like, you can leave us a comment, let us know what you think about troubleshooting and what you agree with, what you disagree with. I want to hear from you, Sunshine Lab people. Call me out. Tell me I'm wrong. I know I'm not. We'll have fun with those. And comments. I I will. I stand my ground on this one. Prove me wrong. Leave a comment. Let me hear what you got to say. Um, again, leave a like, leave a comment. Uh, comment on Spotify. Give us five stars. If you don't like us, just DM me and tell me why you don't like me. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you again for showing up to Fixing the Optical Problem. I hope you have a great rest of your day.